Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, the sort of regular series where we get to speak with a fan or a writer of another team and find out what we should expect from them in an upcoming game. I missed a couple of games there, but I'm sure you guys are cool with that because you don't actually pay me any money anymore, so you're going to have to be cool with it. But anyway, we're back for Friday night's Edmonton Oilers game, and I am joined by Patrick Olson of Copper and Blue. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Kelly. You are welcome. Um, Patrick's one of the writers at Copper and Blue, like I said, which is the Oilers blog on the SB Nation Network. If you would like to learn a bit about the Oilers ahead of the game, go ahead and check that out. Um, but before we dive into the meaty questions, I figure since it was announced today that Chris Russell has been placed on injured reserve for the foreseeable, I thought I'd ask you, um, how happy are you about this? <laughs> Actually, not very, just because we're also missing Secker and, and Clefbaum, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the replacement's really much better. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. We kicked around um, Broad Street Hockey today. We thought to ourselves, you know, this means that the Oilers need a wildly overrated by their own staff, not very good defenseman who likes to starfish on the ice in front of his own net, and we have one of those. So... <laughs> Oh, we have a uh, we have enough of those. I, think. <laughs> I mean, you can never never really have too many of those. But all right, let's let's get right into what we wanted to talk about. Um, I always like to check in on our old friends, so I figured I'd ask you how the Ken Hitchcock thing is going so far. Um, just taking a look at the numbers and your record, it would appear that he is making a difference. Um, do you think he is? What do you think the biggest changes has been, and are you happy with Ken Hitchcock? I'm very happy with Ken Hitchcock. Biggest change would be we're going more of a hybrid between man-to-man and D-zone coverage, whereas Todd McClellan, who was a bit of an idiot, he was strictly man-to-man. And when when uh, Matt Benning gets beaten, which happens about two, three times a game, no one's covered, and so uh, everybody gets a free shot at the net. So that's been the biggest one. And as for everything else he's doing, he's really good at the media, selling the fan base, just about every one of his ideas he could sell me a uh, Vegas timeshare right now (laughs) he was always good with the media he's not one of those weirdos who keeps all clammed up and doesn't tell anybody anything um that's for sure what I remember from Ken Hitchcock's tenure with the Flyers was that he absolutely hated when the team scored goals has he kind of has he moved on from that a little bit (laughs) well so far not not really he talks about how he'd rather win one goal games because it means you play well the whole time you're going to win and historically it's it's one of those things a lot of people think a one goal game is like a coin flip but if you look at his record he does actually win most of those games <laughs> so uh a lot of people think that he's hindering the offense but what the hell did they think Todd McClellan was doing yeah it just <laughs> I mean I'm not an Oilers fan per se but obviously as a hockey fan watching Connor McDavid play is something to behold and I think everybody enjoys what he brings to the ice and I just would really hate to see someone kind of tamp down that flame in the interest of team defense 
Yeah. Well, he hasn't done that. He's playing McDavid more than ever, and he seems to have a free go, so it's not a problem. That's good. Um, So, you know, like the Flyers, you guys are a team that is kind of in need of a couple of pieces before things kind of turn a corner, I think. Um, what do you, what would you like to see Pete Shirelli do to improve this team in the short? I, I would like him to not really do much of anything because he does not have a good record when he does. But one thing I would like to see, and I'm not speaking for the Oiler fan base who really disagrees with me here, but I like to see the prospects get periodic call-ups so we can get an evaluation. So we're not, uh, relying on a player like Caleb Jones right now to replace Chris Russell. We've never seen him before. It's kind of nice to have some preparation for that. And I also think it helps development. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it is nice to see the kids. I'm one of the people who does not believe that time in the AHL or some other minor league makes or breaks a player's development. I think if they're going to be an NHL player, they're going to be an NHL player. So why not see what they've got? I absolutely agree. Around here, we uh, suffer from the, or we're plagued with, of rushing all over the place yep and it's always an arbitrary amount of time in the ahl that's the part that really pisses me off never case by case it's full year two years yeah they gotta, yeah they gotta get Pre- predetermined i don't know um <laughs> so speaking of shirelli who is i'm going to admit the butt of quite a lot of my jokes when it comes to bad trades but i guess mm. rightfully uh, so yeah. Um, we were kind of wondering at Broad Street Hockey about Milan Lucic. Do you think he's cooked or do you think there's any chance you're going to get something out of him? Um, well, I don't think he has any trade value, no. And, uh, I meant on the ice. Hitch- oh, on the ice. Ken Hitchcock's using him on like a third line as a grinding checking line. So far, it looks pretty good. But no, he's not going to start scoring. That's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> I guess you could dream, right? For sure. Um, so another guy that's out of the lineup for you guys is Clef Blum. I think you mentioned that. Um, do you think he's going to hinder Nurse's performance at all, or do you think he'll be able to play through? Um, well, he doesn't play with Nurse, but I don't think that Nurse is a top-pairing defenseman by any means, so that's not going to look very good. As long as they buy into the system, they might be all right, but it's, it's, it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, I guess losing a guy like him is going to hurt no matter what. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's times like these that it's kind of good that Ken Hitchcock um, kind of plays the kind of hockey that he does because it's it's all tightened up anyway. So yeah, hopefully the hole's not as noticeable, right? Oh, it'll be noticeable, but hopefully not too bad. I mean, Clefbaum plays more minutes than anybody other than McDavid, so it's it's gonna matter. Yeah. So I was um reading some quotes from a hitch uh kind of like post practice scrum on the Oilers site today and one of the things that stuck out to me just because I think it's one of the things that we've complained a lot about when it comes to Dave Hackstall is kind of optimizing goalie usage and Mm -hmm. you guys have Cam Talbot who hasn't been playing super well this year and then you've got this guy what's his Koskinen? Koskinen yeah I'm so bad with Finnish names. You've got this kid who's who's doing pretty well, and Hitch kind of talked about the fact that you need to find kind of a sweet spot for how much your backup plays, getting him into a regular routine of maybe playing every seven games, every ten games, something like that, so these guys aren't just kind of wondering what's going to happen, what's going to happen, which is kind of how it works in Philadelphia. Um, but how do you – do you think that Koskinen is going to continue on this hot streak? Do you think that Cam Talbot – 
is going to regain because I think he's always been kind of like a at least reliable goaltender. Um, so uh, kind of, yeah. Okay. Uh, with Koskinen, I'm not. I have no idea. Like I'm not person to scout goalies at all. But I did look into this a little bit. It's, he was. He's given a no move clause because uh, Peter Shirelli decided he needed one of those. <clears throat> he was ridiculed forever because no one's ever heard of him. But he has come in and played really well and under oh, Hitchcock wow. even better. Cam Talbot, too. He's only played two games under Hitchcock, won them both, and looked very good doing it. But uh, with Talbot, that's another one. He hasn't been good in a year and a half consistently. And uh, one theory that was brought to me was Benoit Lair in, uh over in New York for the Rangers. He's their goalie coach. Lundqvist swears by him. And a lot of what he says is that the way to keep, your, uh, keep a goalie good is to make sure that they know what to do when the when the puck's going through the crease or across the slot and all that. None of the numbers we look at really reflect that. Yeah. Fans. So it makes a lot of sense to me, but I have no idea if there's any validity to it. So if that can improve, maybe Cal- or Talbot does better, but I think that why he was so good might have been what was going on in New York. Hmm. That's actually really interesting. I had no idea about that. But yeah, that definitely gives you something to think about. I think that particularly with goalies, the specific coaches that they have on staff for them, I think they make more of a difference than we realize sometimes. It's not It's not just that. It's the, even amateur scouting. When you see them get get selected and you look at their numbers and it doesn't really mean anything to us. It's, yeah. Like a lot, of, a lot of them have low numbers and they're still the consensus number one goalie in the draft. Yeah. And it's the scouting there too. They don't just, it's not like players or uh, skater scouts who are sitting in the stands, talk to them here and there. Goalie scouts actually target them and work with them all the time as a, as a coach. Hmm. So, so it's a little different. So I just, I, I don't understand goalies that well. So I don't really try to analyze them for that reason. Yeah, it is. It is enough to make you want to slam your head into a wall because they don't make any sense. What's no, I can, I can tell. I can look at their numbers and tell you if they were good after the fact, but uh, that doesn't really help. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of, we are recording this Thursday night. You guys play tonight, and so you'll be having a back-to-back situation tomorrow um, when the Flyers are in Edmonton. Who do you think we're going to see tomorrow? You will see Koskinen tomorrow. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. The better of the two. <laughs> <laughs> so far, yeah. Just our luck. That's exactly what the Flyers <laughs> need is to face a hot goaltender. Um, okay, so uh, moving on to a, the most important question. How fun is it to watch Connor McDavid play hockey every single night? Um, I believe your cat you're holding right now has a name. This is Fapa. Exactly. I remember from, I remember that from last year, and it's just like that. McDavid yeah. is the only player I ever compared to Forsberg. Yeah, this, this cat insists on being a part of every single podcast that I do. <laughs> Remarkable, really. Like he was, was actually... Incredible timing right there. But. I know, right? And he's nowhere to be found. And as soon as I open up the laptop and it's recording time, he's like, hello, everyone. But I'm no, that, would, that, is the, that is the best way to describe McDavid. He doesn't, a lot of times he'll throw you off and you think he's doing something stupid, but he's he's definitely making a whole lot of good choices, just like Forsberg did. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy the way he sees the ice. It's like, it's one of those things that I feel like a normal mind, like mine and, and yours, can't really comprehend even what he's doing. He just sees it all like four or five moves ahead. Exactly. Forsberg, yeah. that's comparison. I really hope your team doesn't waste him. I, I hope so, too. I'm going to be so mad. He's so good. It's like, it's out of control how good he is. Okay. So one thing that I wanted to ask you about... Um, 
is something that I've kind of been touching on with some of the other people that I've spoken with as the Flyers have continued to burn in an almost continuous tire fire for this entire season. Um, one thing I'm wondering is like for a guy like you out in Edmonton, doesn't probably watch a lot of Flyers games. When you see the Flyers coming up on the Oilers schedule, what is the prevailing feeling? Is it like, oh, here we go. Back half of a back-to-back against Flyers. It's easy win. Are you like nervous at all about this game? Like, I, I'm just kind of curious about what the attitude towards the Flyers is from other people. Um, well, there's around here, there are no easy wins. We're aware of how bad we've been for the last decade and a half. Well, <laughs> so no, we don't look at the Flyers or any other team that way. And uh, actually, when we look at our, at our roster, it's pretty darn good. You just might have an idiot as a coach. Yeah, that might be that <laughs> might be the case. So, no, we don't really expect an easy win, that's for sure. Um, you guys beat us twice last year. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's... Okay. You no, know, we don't look at you as a bottom feeder at all. Well, factually, we are. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's nice to know, because you're right, on paper, this team should not be this bad. So it's nice to know that, you know, guys like Drew and Voracek and got Ghost and everything, they still have a little bit of respectability amongst hockey fans. The whole blue line looks pretty darn good. Um, theoretically. Not the whole one, but a lot of it. Yeah, theoretically (laughs) it should be. Um, But again, the coach, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He plays our Chris Russell like 25 minutes a night, and he plays Travis Anheim 10, so we don't know what what he's doing. Every coach seems to have one of those guys, or at least one of those guys, where they're just putting me on the ice for no good reason that's not helping anybody. What is the deal with NHL coaches and mediocre defensemen? It's remarkable, really. They all have one that they love. Even Babcock had one. Yeah. Yeah, he loved his Hunwick. He sure did. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, yeah. I don't, this is why all coaches are bad. All coaches are bad. Some are just worse than others. And we have the worst one. <laughs> See, I, yeah, that's exactly what I say about GMs. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And we so. have the worst one. <laughs> they should all just listen to us because we, know what we're talking about to an extent (laughs) yep (laughs) all right so um give me a player who flyers fans might not know about off the top of their heads but who you think might make an impact in the game tomorrow night well that should be caleb jones's debut so it's gonna be a surprise for us too it's seth jones's brother so maybe he's good we'll find out (laughs) oh that's gonna be fun to see what happens there yeah I, I'm hoping he's done really well in the AHL. So if that means anything, we'll we'll see it. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the Flyers, are there any Flyers that you look forward to watching when we play? Um. Yes, I want to see more of Provorov. Mm. I, <laughs> I regret to inform you that Uh-oh. Ivan Provorov is going through some shit, and we don't know exactly what. Um. But he's not the guy that we saw last season. So we're hoping that any day now he's just going to shake off whatever funk he's got going on and be better. But he will be there, so you will see him. Well, I, I hope we see that. Well, I do hope we see the bad one for selfish reasons. But I would like to see the good one eventually. That's fair. That's a, that's fair. I respect that. Um, and then finally, I know this is tough because you guys are coming off of a back-to-back game that has the first half of which has not yet been played. But if you had to give a shot in the dark game prediction, what would you say is going to happen? Uh, three two Oilers. Three two Oilers. Okay. Is that like a hard three two, or is that an empty net or three two? Um, hard maybe overtime. Okay. I and uh, I, I do have a, 
sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I was just going to say I had to like really make you nail it down. Okay. So I do have some questions about the flyers I got on the site here. Oh yeah, I'm ready. Okay. What what has it been like watching the back end develop from their wealth of defensive prospects over the years? So it's been a weird experience for us over the last couple of years because we've really never grown good defensemen in the system. It's never been a thing that the Flyers have done. They've always had kind of middling defensive prospects to bad defensive prospects, and then they've filled in with trades and free agent signings. So it's pretty cool. Um to see a guy like Provorov and Shane Gossespierre and now Travis Sanheim, who's having a really great year, come up through the ranks and make a big difference. Um, it's something that I think that we are kind of pinning all of our hopes and dreams on. We say a lot at Broad Street Hockey that if the Flyers are going to be the team that we think they can be in the next couple of years, all of it hangs on Ivan Provorov being a number one defenseman in the NHL. If that's not, not true, <laughs> yeah, if he's not that, then we've got a problem. But um, you know, over the long term, what we've seen from him indicates that he is. He seems to be hitting a bit of a rough patch, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun because it's not something that we're used to seeing happen at all. Hmm. Okay, and uh, next question. This one is uh, one of mine. Um, with all those firings that just went on, how is Hackstall still there? You know what? That's an excellent question that I ask myself every single day when I wake up. I, if you had told me that like every single domino in the Flyers front office would start falling down and Dave Haxall would be the guy left standing at the end of it. I would have laughed hysterically and told you that you were a crazy person. <laughs> Somehow here we are. At first I kind of thought that they were just going to give it, you know, like a few games because they didn't want to fire everybody all at once. Cause that would be crazy. Um, but uh, the more they talk, the more it kind of seems like they just want to see what Dave Haxall can do, I guess, without Ron Hextall being mean to him. I don't know. But um you know, the last few games, I think, have proven that uh, it wasn't just Ron Hextall being mean to him that makes him a bad coach. He's just kind of a bad coach. So Systems do really matter way more than anybody wants to give it any credit to. So it's that has to change. I think the Flyers can actually be really good otherwise. I think so, too. Well, super weird about Dave Hextall is that the first half season that we had him after they fired uh, Bruby, it he played a really fun system, like much more of a run and gun offense first system that really worked for the Flyers at the time. And for some reason, he's completely gone away from that. And now it's just like boring turtle hockey that doesn't work at, at all. And I, I, I don't know. It's very frustrating to watch. I can imagine. And um, last one, how would you rate uh, Ron Hextel's tenure as GM? You know, it's funny. We spent a lot of time criticizing Ron Hextall, especially towards the end of his tenure. Um, but I don't think any of us expected him to get fired. Um, so when he did, and the way that he did, and kind of the shitty little stories that the team was very obviously leaking out about him after he was fired, I think kind of colored my perception a bit. And to be honest, overall, Hextall did an amazing job. When he came to the Flyers, we were in absolute cap hell. They had a bunch of contracts that were terrible and probably shouldn't have been able to have been moved that he moved. Um, he cleared out a bunch of cap space. The drafting was outstanding. Um, it was just, for some reason, he was not willing to, I think, do what he needed to do to get the team to the next level. I think he was kind of trying to do a Winnipeg Jets 
draft really well, draft really well, develop really well, develop really well, just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And eventually you end up with the Jets competing for a Stanley Cup most years. Um, but I guess in Philadelphia, that's not just a thing that we can tolerate. So mm. it got to be a little too much waiting. Um, but I would say overall, he left Chuck Fletcher with a pretty perfect situation. And he, if he screws it up, we got a big problem. Because um, he left him with a ton of cap space. He left him with a ton of prospects. And there's no reason why this team shouldn't be this bad. It really shouldn't. No, really should. It's just like what a goalie and a coach should put you guys fighting for the top of the division, I would think. Just looking at the roster, of course. But Yeah, yeah. One would hope. Especially yeah. given what a lot of these did last season mm. um, now that you mention uh you know spreading dirt as he's on his way out of town there's a couple markets that do that boston does that too every time they trade someone away philadelphia did it with what richards and carter and well we do it when they're when they're still here so <laughs> so well we usually have a good idea that a player is going well before they are yeah i've noticed that shirley likes to kind of drive down the value of his own players before he trades them yeah it's never understood that one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I didn't give my prediction yet. So I'm going to say, I haven't seen a Flyers game in like two weeks. So I'm shooting blind here, but I'm going to say four, two Islanders. Oh, Islanders. Oh, Islanders. Jesus. Oilers. <laughs> okay. Oilers. The Islanders probably won't score four on the Flyers tomorrow night. The Oiler, Oilers, however, might do exactly that. Oh, boy. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I would like I would like to hope you're right. Well, we really need these wins because everybody in the Pacific seems to be winning at the same time as we are. <laughs> yeah, what's that about? I have no idea. Yeah. They're all eight and two. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> all right. So I think we have covered everything. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. I really like that you asked me questions. That was cool. No one's ever done that. I like doing it. You're smart and funny, and I like to hear your answers. So thank you for having Hi. me. Papa also <laughs> says thank you because he is an attention whore. And I'd like All to right, thank him so, for showing up right at the right time. <laughs> he's amazing. His sense of timing is unparalleled in this business. He's going to be a star, I think. Um, okay, so we've got the I Oilers. I almost said Islanders again. I don't know what's with me. The Oilers, <laughs> Friday night, it is a 9 p.m. start, I think. What's the start believe, for you guys? I will take a look, actually. I didn't even look at that because there's a game in half an hour here. Well, let's take time zones, man. Yeah. Oilers schedule, and we have fires at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 Eastern. 9 Eastern. All right. Yeah. Hope I nailed it, which is different for me. <laughs> All right. Patrick, once again, thank you very much. This was a lot of fun. Go check out Copper and Blue if you want to learn about the Edmonton Oilers. Let's go fly. Baseball. Truly, it is awful. I'm Phillies writer Justin Clue. Join me every week, along with John Stolness, Liz Rocher, and Dr. Trevor Strunk, as we discuss all the ways the Phillies have hurt us on our podcast, Hitting Season, as well as historical anecdotes and raw, emotional ramblings on our other shows, Continued Success and The Dirty Inning. Subscribe to The Good Fight, and you'll get conversations with insiders, analysis of breaking news, and stats, stats, stats. Together, we'll survive whatever baseball can throw at us. 
I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly.